Welcome to the Crow's Nest, the place of the best view on the wind farm service vessel market. My name is Sue Allen. I'm an analyst at 4C Offshore, and this podcast is about the vessels used to support offshore wind logistics. That is crew transfer vessels, service operations vessels, accommodation ships and helicopters. I'm going to be talking to industry experts about subjects close to their hearts, including new design concepts and technology and other changes affecting offshore wind support. In this episode, I was joined by Mick Hendrickson of MHO & Co. Mick spoke about how his CTV design concept, with its unique capabilities, evolved through his experiences as a ferry operator, as well as through working in offshore wind. Welcome to the Crow's Nest. I'm joined today by Mick Hendrickson from MHO & Co. over in Esberg in Denmark. And today we're going to be talking about walk-to-work systems on CTVs. As they are very large CTVs, but this is so unusual. I thought it'd be good to have a conversation with Mick and find out how this all started about. But Mick, only a few years, but I, I don't actually know how you got into the offshore wind market and sort of running crew transfer vessels. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about how you got to be here in this sort of very exciting and dynamic industry? Yes, I, I started out in a fairly small and very dynamic industry um, in around 1991 with the smaller fast ferries and then we started to build the bigger car carrying fast ferries and I was moving with the trend with the with the progress and um, in 1999 I, I started working for a shipyard in Cap Tasmania and uh, builders of the big biggest catamarans uh, at that time, aluminium catamarans. And I did that for about 10 years as a consultant for different companies around the world, optimizing the, the running of these and also getting involved in the design, uh, bringing back lessons learned to the shipyard and the designers and so on. And I thought that was really, really interesting. It was, uh, it was a very good time. And in uh, uh, 2010, I was, uh, I was living in Spain uh, for 10 years from uh, 1999 until 2010 and in uh, 2010 I visited Denmark and I, I saw a television program about this offshore wind business and I was looking at the, the CTVs that they were operating and I thought that they, they have some of the same problems that we were facing in the fast ferries. Some of the guys that taught me all about the fast ferries, they, they started sailing small fast ferries in the 50s and 60s in Scandinavia. And I could see some of the same issues uh, were uh, faced by the people who are developing and operating CTVs. So I thought that must be a good place to get involved uh, for me because fast ferries were starting to get a little bit out of fashion because of the fuel consumption and the fuel prices were going up and there was a, a bit of a recession in the years up to 2010. So I started working for Chem Offshore and after about six months, I agreed with the owners that it was a good idea if I, I sat down behind the desk in the office and, um, and and started to develop that business. And over the five years I was working for them, we went from about 15 employees to 75. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> and it was very interesting and very dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> and then... I obviously also developed my ideas about which way things were going and came offshore, saw it in a different way. So I thought I, I might as well try to do that myself because I was that convinced that my ideas were good. So I, I started out myself. 
in 2015, and uh, we started out with plans for new builds, but were overtaken a bit by some an opportunity that arose from Strategic Marine. They had two catamarans uh, during build that uh, that I was able to take over, because uh, uh, I already secured finance with my business plan for uh, for two boats, and so I, I and these were very close to being finished, so I took over them. Uh, when they were finished and, and chartered them out while developing further on, on the plans for, for my own boats. And during the next year or so, we were fine-tuning the design uh, together with uh, clients like Siemens and Martinfall and Ørsted, primarily Ørsted, because they, they were starting to build wind farms uh, further offshore, like the Horn C1. So the first two boats we built uh, of our uh, own design together with Inkat Crowder was the 39 meter uh, Espia and Goli. And they were, they, when they were delivered and sailed on Horn C1, the performance was uh, even better than we expected and the fuel consumption were even less than we expected. So that uh, turned out to be a very good idea. So we, we continued down that path to, to develop the, the bigger uh, boats in the market. And meantime, a lot of requirements for greener boats uh, on the propulsion plants have, have come and that is now equally big cha um, challenge or, or task to, to, to combine to combine the things and, and the lucky thing for us is that with the bigger boats it's it's quite a lot easier to, to combine because some of the new propulsion plants are heavier yeah. the first boats were actually planned to be 35 meters but then Setbridge Bastion came along and um, and said listen if you make it a little bit longer maybe our bring to work system will fit on or then our bring to work system will fit on so we actually changed it from uh, just in the last minute of the build from 35 to 39 meters yeah that's that's incredible story and, uh, that leads us to the yeah and that leads us to today's topic i suppose <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's it, because um, when I heard you were putting walk-to-work systems or, or bring-to-work system on, on the boat, that was quite a surprise to me, um, because I know in the past a few CTVs have had uh, transfer systems put on board, but they haven't been, while they've worked, they haven't been entirely successful, but they were on much, much smaller vessels, and I guess some of the problems were they didn't give enough of an advantage to make it worthwhile. Um, and I've been on the Gurley, uh, very fortunately, and the, the foredeck on there was very substantial. And uh, now you've got the walk-to-work system. And I mean, how, what did you think when Bastion um, and Zedbridge, first of all, suggested this? Was it sort of immediately something that you thought, yes, that would really work? Or were you? did you need any convincing? Yeah, I, <clears throat> the first time I, I saw it, I, I thought that was uh, something we had to present to the clients, obviously, mm -hmm. to find out if they were interested. Because for us, it was a, a clear possibility. Uh, I saw that there was no other boat in the market that could actually uh, facilitate a, a bring-to-work system. So I thought that's that would be a little bit of... Uh, blue ocean for us that would be a niche that we could get involved in and, and, and sort of have an advantage mm -hmm. on so I was I was very excited about it but I, <laughs> I needed to know if the clients were equally uh, interested and um, very luckily it turned out that uh, several of the clients were interested we've had very positive response on on the the posts uh, both uh, 4C and ourselves have, and we have posted on, on, on different social medias and uh, 
I think we've been so far contacted by six clients who are yeah. looking into the bring to work system yeah, and, and Setbridge has also had, I don't know if it's the same clients, it's probably uh, some of them at least I know are the same, but don't know if they're all the same, but they have a, about the same amount of clients that's contacted them to, to investigate whether they could have any benefit from it. Yeah, I know you've done C trials. So. On them, I mean, how, how is yes. it working? I mean, it, it's I'm sort of very curious. I don't know too much about the systems, and um, is it something that the Q, uh, the boat crew operate, or do you need specialist crew on board for the Zedbridge? For the for the trials, at least, we have had uh, specialists from from Zedbridge on board to operate the system. Plan uh, from from day one uh, was always to have a dedicated operator for the set bridge on board and we hope that he can uh, that, that operator would also have to have some experience or knowledge about hydraulics mm -hmm. so that he could always also uh, do the maintenance of the system uh, if needed so that was always the plan uh, but it was discussed a few times whether it could be one of the crew members that took that training and, and did that training. But that was always going to be in case that we had several of these systems on, 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 on mm -hmm. several boats. So we haven't gotten to that. We haven't reached that stage yet, but yeah. uh, hopefully one day we'll have to talk about that again. But so far, it's it's, it's a dedicated person from Setbridge yeah. that does it. That would be kind of expected. And um, how, how does it affect the boat's performance? Because obviously you're carrying extra weight there on the, on the uh, foredeck. Yeah, the, the, the boats obviously do not have the same performance um, with big weight on the front uh, when it comes to, to pushing onto a turbine. But on the positive side, the limitations uh, are normally set by how much you're allowed to, to move on the boat landing for people to step over. But in in, the, in this case, with the set bridge, with the bring-to-work system, people are not stepping over on the ladder. And yeah. the set bridge is compensating for the movements of the boat. So during the trials, we actually reached about the same wave heights as we, we can uh, operate in with a boat and that's obviously in a, in a very short period of time with limited experience from the operators and the crew so our aim is that we can operate with the set bridge in higher uh, sea conditions than we can actually operate on a boat landing yeah i, I guess it's um, until you start doing it out there in the field you don't know trial and error and finding the optimum um system getting flames working so yep. yeah it'd be interesting to see i know there's a lot of experiments going on at, over on Hornsey too uh, you've got the two vessels coming in with the z bridges and um, so once you start out with real life operations this is something i really admire in this industry is this question we can't wait until we've done tests and try well i know we do sea trials but likewise we're still pushing the boundaries and um, doing testing while we're actually carrying out the day drop uh, which is, I say we, I'm with you, <laughs> and uh, other vessel operators are out there delivering. I mean, I, I sit in a nice, comfortable office and um, just talk about it and write about it, but uh, it's something I just really admire in this industry is the willingness to, to try something new and move things forward. Do you see it's going to be um, something you might see more of in the future? Certainly on bigger vessels, obviously there is a, a size restriction. But as wind farms are built further and further offshore, because we've built out most of the near shore sites, um, this is something that maybe will be there to, if not replace the SOV, but to back up that kind of support. And you see it becoming more 
common. I know you, you want it to be part of your uh, competitive advantage, um, but how do you think this will change the future? I see it as a, as a good add-on and, and in making the, the whole concept of the bigger CTVs uh, more attractive. I, I don't think it's going to be a, in competition with SOVs, and I, I'm, I don't even see it as a competition to small CTVs. I think it's a, it's a sort of niche in the market for uh, for for big CTVs and and if you have a big CTV, this is a a way that that you can make the package even stronger for working uh, more hours and more days during the year, and it, it enables the uh, the technicians to bring probably bigger parts and and more uh, stuff up on the turbines without uh, having to to crane it or. Uh, Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be, it's just going to be a way to make it more safe and, and, and reliable that, that the entire service package from the big CTVs. Mm-hmm. The, and, and like you say, it's, it's probably going to be more on the uh, wind farms that are further offshore than, uh, than the near shore ones. And uh, yeah. uh, if they're going to start using them on the, on the, Near shore, uh, it's probably going to be in combination of, of several wind farms to share one of these boats between them for, for special jobs and special um, maintenance tasks and so on. But I, I, I still feel very much the interest of the um, of the clients to pursue this system. And, uh, and, and now that it's out there and it's actually turned out that it works, um, I think, as everybody knows, it takes five to eight years from a, a wind farm is being I started up to 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 plan and then until it's 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 out there. So with this now, the uh, the, the developers are able to put this into the equation. Yeah. In a few years, I think we will know whether this system is going to be more common or not. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be certainly an interesting part of the logistical mix because we we look at we part of what we do at 4C, we forecast uh, demand for CTVs and SOVs. And while at a certain point, SOVs make sense or that's distance to port and um, size of the project, but also there is a slightly gray area, if you like, where it's almost worthwhile for an SOV, but it's a little bit far for a CTV, but you know, the project's not that big, are you going to share it? But I think there's certainly it seems that that the system would fill that gap where you need bigger vessels and in a better transfer capability and potentially in sea areas because I mean, you know it's far better than me it's something I hear all the time every site has unique conditions and even within the sites that have unique conditions and I'm hearing about the Baltic might be quite difficult for certain types of vessels and I know there's certain sites along the east coast of the UK so further up from where we are in Lowestoft but um, where some vessels perform well some not so well it's not to do with the vessels it's just the sea conditions and uh, we just need a, a, a good selection to you know all the clients need a, a good selection of vessels to use to meet the local demands really and you know what they're trying to achieve and whether or not they've got a larger vessel on you know going down this SOV option but yeah you mentioned something interesting there I thought it was you know this idea that it might be for specific maintenance campaigns you might need almost don't want to call your vessel ctvs because they're sort of halfway between us so large where you you know an sob isn't isn't really required and you know one of the 
our forecast is showing potentially a shortfall for SOBs anyway. So you're bringing in those larger, more capable vessels for those further offshore transfers might be a solution. So it's certainly, I think it's just offering your clients yet another solution to a problem. So it, to me, it looks very positive, but it, I just think it's amazing engineering to be able to put a system like that on board the vessel. And I, I think you're be attracting a lot of interest <laughs> people wanting to know what's happening and how it's progressing yeah i think the uh <laughs> i think the, the in, in in the next six to to eight months we'll probably uh find out how many of the of the clients that have approached us that are seriously interested and want to to pursue the uh, the idea but one thing's for sure we are going to continue building the the bigger boats and and we keep this set bridge in uh is one of the things that we want to be capable of and and there are other systems out there as well also requires bigger boats and uh, but uh, the performance alone and and the fact that we can accommodate we can fit in the new drive lines i mean batteries are extremely heavy and mm -hmm. if we're going to run metanol it's also going to require twice as much as, as diesel yeah. um, so even if it's the greener types of diesel it's, it's still going to be a, a transition into other types of fuels and, and propulsion systems so yeah we, yeah we we definitely see a future for for the big boats um and and one of the things that we will keep designing for is the set bridge that's good to hear so have you got plans for more or is it too early to say <laughs> No, we, we are presently working, I mean, the Esgard and Apollo that are now on the way to Denmark from, from the building yard. We have installed some uh, hybrid uh, propulsion systems and plus there is room to fit test plants, methanol and hydrogen yeah. electricity producing plants. And we are going to take a f probably six months uh, to try out a few things, as many as we can. During that time, yeah. I know you're involved in research projects, huh? and and it would be, it would, uh, <laughs> we feel that it, it it would be beneficial for us to have uh, some some testing done before we uh, we uh, we commit to building the next boats and, and and trying to use some of the technology that we are testing and, and researching on, on these new boats. So there might be a, a small break of, of uh, six to eight months from the boat start service until we uh, start building the next ones. Right. That also depends on the clients, of course, what, what they require. Maybe some, maybe some of the suggestions that we already have on the table are attractive enough and, and enough of a mm -hmm. step forward for them to, to book it. But time will show. <laughs> and, and, and whether they want it to be capable of carrying the set bridge or not is... is it's a different thing, but uh, we definitely the ones the boats that we're going to build with, without doubt we would we would prefer to build them uh, capable to to carry the set bridge. Yeah, well, no, that sounds like a good plan going forward, and I'm I'm very interested in the um, sort of the research I know that's going on in Hornsey at the moment, but I think that have to be a conversation for another time because I'm sure you uh, maybe have a few NDAs in place about, about I'll that. Know <laughs> <laughs> so I know uh, a lot more about that in about six months. <laughs> yes, but I, I just think this is such an exciting time in not only an offshore wind, but the whole the whole um, decarbonisation agenda about looking at alternative fuels and battery power and um, hybrid options. And it, it's you know, as I say, it's very exciting. And um, 
I'm looking forward to hearing the, the official results from that when it when it happens. Um, but I know it's sort of all starting to take place, and uh, I'm sure Ulster will be keeping that uh, yeah under wraps for a while until they're ready to sort of publish. But it is it it's certainly moving our industry forward, and uh, it's good to it's I feel very positive that I'm part of an industry which is so innovative and um, leading the way on climate change. And uh, well, leading quite leading the way on climate change, but leading trying to come up with some solutions and reduce our carbon emissions in a quite an aggressive manner. So that's that's all good news. But yeah, no, there's been really interesting talk to you about this, Mick, and I appreciate your time. And um, I'm looking forward to the safe delivery of your two vessels, which I know are on the way. And you said earlier that they're about to come up through the Suez and uh, be arriving in Esberg in the next. Um, Few weeks is it they'll be there um, yes we expect them to be here in about two weeks three weeks right well i keep looking out and tracking where they are um but uh, just quick question the names where do the names come from i'm always interested in vessel names yeah well first of all um we uh we wanted them to be uh strong names because they are the, the bigger uh, names in the in the ctv fleet and uh, so then we just uh we had a little bit of a competition in-house on suggestions of names, and mm -hmm. I, we, we, it, was a, it was a common task, and it was a vote in the end uh, between us. And the Asgard is from the uh, Nordic mythology, and the Apollo is from the Greek mythology. So they're mythology names, uh -huh. and they both start with an A because it's the first ones of the kind, so like right. the first ones in the alphabet. I knew there's a lot so of there are... vessel names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we didn't just uh, pull them out of thin air. It was a it was a long process with a lot of serious and also funny discussions. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Well, we look forward to welcoming them in the, into well into Esberg and seeing them over here on Hornsey. And uh, it's funny. I always think of you just being over there because you're just across. So my office sits right on the seafront, so we literally look out. Actually, we'd probably look out towards Amalden rather than Esberg, but uh, we're just there. There's a there's a Point near us which shows the direction so but yeah well thanks very much Mick for talking to us today and uh, thank you for sharing all your insights in the history of how it came about that you put the, the walk to work vessel, uh, walk to work or bring to work system onto the vessel <laughs> thanks very much thank you very much Sue all the best Many thanks for joining me here in the Crow's Nest. If you'd like to find out more about any of the topics discussed or about 4C Offshore, please see the show notes where I've included details and links. If you've enjoyed listening to our show today, please subscribe to our channel and get notifications of new episodes. The Crow's Nest is a 4C Offshore production.